Dude, what's up? Hey. <laughs> the heat, going? the temperature is up. That's true. That <laughs> I am going to have to find a solution for this attic space that I'm in because the heat, it is not the humidity, it is the heat. So, yeah. What's up with you? Not much. Just on my liquid juice cleanse today. So if I seem a little woozy and slow, that's why. I need to do one of those. I know you're doing it for other reasons, but I think it's time for me to do it. I need to abuse myself with a low calorie liquid diet for an extended period of time. I feel like if they cut me open right now, it would be like that scene in Jaws when all the white fluid comes out. Like, oh, why is there a license plate in his stomach? Exactly. <laughs> like, I just, how do I get all of it out of me first? Right. The license plate. So, speaking of movies. Right. We had a, a nice thread going in text about about your rated. Um, what even category of movies is that? I, like, Airplane. That was so generally comedy, but then comedy doesn't like didn't quite cut the mustard because I've started trying to put this list together of comedies. And then like you suggested Brazil, which is so side note, separate comedy is movies that are encoded in me and that I are are just a a part of my fiber. And Brazil is one of them. Mm. And but I never think of it as a comedy, but it totally is. Oh, yeah. Um, But like other things like dark, though. Yeah, but like Annie Hall is like this is not what I'm getting at with these this list of comedies. Like I'm trying to get at there's a like is it is it it's not gross out, but it's silly. Hmm. There, that, is that the common thread? Is it are they all silly? I was surprised that there wasn't a subgenre that was popping out when we were looking through them. Like airplane is clearly it's just it's just wall to wall visual puns. Yeah, it's like a it's a living dad joke. Yeah, exactly. Right. Right. But, but like Ace, Ace Ventura is kind of like that, but a little bit more, I don't know, it's, it's more refined. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's not a screwball comedy. They're, they're just, right. da- yeah, you're right. It's like dad jokes, wall to wall dad jokes. Or it's, or disgusting, you know, mm. like, like, um, I don't know, like an old school, that's not disgusting really. There's the whole subgenre of like porkies mm. that's like now reads as abusive, but at the time was just like, you know, softcore fun for right. people. Exactly. I don't know. But anyway, it was a good, it was definitely a good list. I think we, the list that we ended up with has some things that I need to see. Like I didn't, that movie that Fernando recommended with uh, Mr. Bean, I've never seen it. So like I'm psyched oh. to check it out. I missed that one. Um, yeah, there were a few on there I hadn't seen, but I, in, in going through it, like, you know, even with, with Tim, he just started suggesting non-comedies. And, uh, Mm. so I ended up watching Terminator 2, which Which is that? It's the one with, are you, the iconic scene is the motorcycle, you know, leaping off of the, you know, the drainage channel. In the one that one shot where like a Harley is like doing like a twenty foot drop into a like a California drainage, you know, uh, chasm. Hmm. Uh, it's the one where um, sh- uh, spoiler alert. Uh, it's like <laughs> it's the one where um, Arnold comes back and uh, you think he's the the bad Terminator again, but he's the. Um, you know, he's the protective Terminator. And oh, then, okay. This is the one that starts with Linda Hamilton in jail or mental institution. Yes. Yeah. Yes. This one starts with Linda Hamilton being totally ripped. Totally ripped. And then giving the performance of a lifetime, probably. Like, she's so yeah. good in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Her reaction when the, when Terminator when the Terminator comes out of the elevator, her reaction is just like... Yeah. It's super genuine. It's... it's it, I, I Yes. Like, that totally jumped out at me. That scene... To me, it, like she collapses and melts, and this is a woman, by the way, who has dragged her kid all over Southern America and South America with like banging dudes that she doesn't like, so that she can learn like revolutionary and soldier techniques. Like she is trained, yeah, she's fully trained, she's fully ready for the apocalypse at this point, 
Mm-hmm. And she just freaking melts. And melts, after yeah. she just completely dismantled the, uh, remember that guy that yeah. licks her face? <laughs> so gross. So gross. Like they could have had him do any of a million things, but he licks her face. Uh, yeah. But then he, she beats the hell out of him. But then, of course, you know, he comes out of the elevator and she just collapses. It's mm. awesome. Yeah, it was extremely, extremely good. I don't so know, what- dude. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Ter- the original Terminator is one of my top, maybe three movies of all time. I so good, love it. It love stood it. up well. It stood up really well. Like it's got, there are, you've got Academy Award winning in, in my view. Like it should have been Academy Award nominated performance from from her. It's just amazing, top to bottom. Like she has to carry off, like the the distance that she creates between her and other people, including her son is so painful to watch, but like she's done this because she's totally thinking forward. Like none of this little stuff matters, but she's like horrible and totally closed off. And it's, it's an amazing performance. And there's one scene, I don't know if you'll remember it, but like they break into the guy that remember in in the plot, they find out who created the chip that leads to Skynet. And so she's like, yeah, I could keep running and preparing for the apocalypse, or I could kill this guy. He could never invent the chip. So she goes to his house and goes to kill him. And do you remember when, uh, like after the daughter's there or something? Yeah. His kids there. And, and then, but then Edward Furlong, the son shows up just after she realizes she can't kill him in cold blood, by the way, like she came to that conclusion on her own. Hmm. Which is totally, by the way, like playing out the if you could go back in time and kill Hitler scenario, mm-hmm. which, by the way, totally leads into like a theme that's been like hitting me over the head over and over and over again for years now, which is this. It's like it first got words for me with Very Bad Wizards podcast mm-hmm. and their kind of debates about a word that I don't understand, which is deontological, which I hmm. guess is like a some kind of a byproduct of a philosopher named Kant, okay. um, which by the way, again, just a side note, cause I can't help but go up in MacGruber. The villain's <laughs> name is Kant. <laughs> <laughs> so they have to say that for the whole movie. But anyway, in, in the, I think in the Kant deontology philosophy, <laughs> you have to do the right moral action in every moment. You okay. can't, so killing the inventor of this chip, the creator of Skynet, the person that's responsible for the deaths of, you know, a huge chunk of the human race, you can't kill him in Why that not? moment. Well, it's well, you're on two different timelines, though. On your timeline, it is the right moral thing to do. Well, if it, and then it? if you're not a Kantian, and if you're not a Kantian, uh, you would be a utilitarian, which, you know, is this decision, does it have utility? And does it have you know, some, you know, greater good, which again, feeds back to what we've talked about with like, if I break something down, maybe to abstracts, I can justify what I'm doing this given moment. But like she, so I'm like, you know, watching Terminator. I'm like, okay, here we go again with another example of Kantian deontology and, and whatever that means and utilitarianism. Mm. Like it's just, you know, with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. (laughs) It's awesome. It seems like, Right. So, so if we go way back to previous conversations and we're like, okay, if we could just have a first principle that you, you, humans don't kill people, right? If there's period, like no matter what the timeline is, whether you know the future or whatever, and if that was like a, a cultural thing, then it would clearly be wrong. No matter killing Hitler would be wrong based on, but see, see ethics and morals is all just pure it's like pure culture, right? So the rightness or wrongness depends completely on the culture that you're from. Maybe. I think probably, I, I, I think so. I think so. But then what again, like I based on, well, something that we don't understand for sure, but like, it's hard. This is like a totally broader topic than just going through like the merits of like doing a bad thing in the moment or cause you think something good will happen. But like, I wonder if we just don't have enough of a grasp to be able to like 
determine the data, determine how to measure and determine, like determine how to quantify that, like what might be a fact that when you do things that are innately bad, say there's an innate bad thing to do, okay. like, like killing a life, um, ending a life or, or say just breaching the golden rule, boiling a dog, say it does something, say the culture has brought you to a point where you're that way. And just forget that you're a fringe, like a fringe genetic psycho. But like for most people, Mm -hmm. like, would it be practically true that 99 or 98% of people doing a horrible act like that, there's, they would be, it's a little soul crushing. Like, like, okay. Is it all right? That right. Cause what we're scrabbling for here is some kind of objective truth. And, and it seems like a really easy objective truth would be one that was, hardwired into our DNA and not and bigger than like any specific cultural. So like, so I I would think, you know, I don't want to, you would think something, I don't know, let's say suicide goes against evolution. It it doesn't though. What, what it, it like an act of suicide doesn't, but because you can still have it, 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 it may even be great for evolution, you know, like as long as you have enough people that aren't that are that are, you know, surviving uh, okay. along the way. So, right. The angle you just took on it is like evolution as a higher power. Well, I wasn't, I, even, I wasn't even thinking evolution like I was step I guess I'm like stepping away from. I don't know. So this is another movie that I watched that I'm going to com- completely confuse myself. But like I was watching this movie Solaris and which is like a 1972 sci-fi movie. Oh, and they encounter an alien that they like it was the first alien movie where they don't they literally just they don't understand what they've encountered in the movie ends. And <laughs> and it was just kind of put in high relief this idea that we have our five senses. We have our intellect. We can venture off into the abstract infinite but we still crap our pants and like we but we only have so many inputs and we mm-hmm. only have so much of a processor and yet reality may have so much else going on that yeah i'm not saying it's evolution but i'm just saying like what if it's true that like that there are those types of actions that are that would make 99% of people feel bad to do And you're you're saying why? You're like you're asking like, well, what's the pl- what's the platform upon which that is true? Right. I'm saying forget what the platform is because we'll we would get lost in the platform. But just like think it about just... it. Like, do, do you th- think that that's true? Like, do you think if ninety? I mean, if you had a thousand people go to kill somebody, if you had a thousand people try to steal, or a thousand people try, you know, like, would there be a super majority of people that? feel bad about it and then i guess i guess you'd say that it doesn't matter because then you're wrapped up in the culture and whether whether the culture makes them feel bad about it i I don't know yeah i see i see what you're scratching at there's like first of all if it's 99 percent, then to me that's just totally subjective and it turns into a vote but i but you said super majority so it's like if the vast majority of people in the tell me if this is what you're trying to say vast majority of people in this village, let's say the whole village, a thousand people live in this village and it's perfectly okay to kill someone who, you know, looks at you the wrong way. It's perfectly okay. It happens all the time, but you're saying that something deep down inside of each one of those people feels bad about it. Yeah. I guess Even that's what I'm saying. It's totally and, okay. And to your point, like I'm, I, I'm my, like knee jerk reaction is to be a materialist where, you know, it is only a, a function of complicated physical, the interaction of physical things within us that lead to all t- to actions and blah, blah, blah. But that, that, that it like whether it's all physical, but the complexity is so much that it may be ev- forever beyond our understanding to under, to know how to pull a thread and have like, to have a, an action and a reaction that we could predict, but the, 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 like weather patterns, outdoors, weather, weather patterns or behavior patterns. So like, I guess what I'm saying is like, 
yes to your to your proposition uh, to try and like help me articulate this. Mm-hmm. I, I would say like it, there's something within us that's physical, like something within our physical makeup. Yeah, that we may never understand, but it's it would lead us to some part of us would find it abhorrent. Right. It to- produces a it pr- produces a disincentive for certain behavior. That's where I was going with the DNA thing. So. Right. Yeah, that there's something there's something hardwired into humans that that would that would supersede any localized morality because it's yeah. it's just I mean I suppose it's it's kind of like it's kind of like well it's still just culture but it's from a long time ago. So you <laughs> so know who we'd older. have to ask though? We'd have to ask killers. So like like soldiers would be a really good example of this, I guess, yes. cuz Yeah. Um, but there, there's, again, there's like the, the cultural envelope would be hard to pierce. So like one thing I was thinking is like, if remember what I said before, like, oh, if you had 98% of people, but it would be, then you're kind of stuck in the culture as to whether like they felt bad, but you could, you know, then sample across really disparate cultures potentially mm-hmm. and see how they react to doing something horrible. And, but then like, if, even if you had soldiers, like soldiers go through, a very specific training to prepare them for killing that would make it difficult. It's almost like who doesn't get, you'd have to find people that aren't trained. There's a taboo, right? Like even me putting this forward, yeah. it's most likely that it's because it's a cultural taboo. Right. Maybe if I killed 10 times, I would find, and, and if I thought I wouldn't be caught, mm. like, would it really well, bother that me matter? that much? Even if you did, I mean, what if that's part of the fun? Exactly. Right. You know? Because how else are you going to have sex with somebody? <laughs> it's still warm. <laughs> you got like two hours. No, but like I. All right, so yeah, I don't know. Help me out here. I'm I'm winding I, all over. I, I feel like I feel like you might be onto something because I want the same thing. Like I want there to be a more objective or something that's a a value that's intrinsically human that is that is cross cultural. And the only thing I can think of would, it would be something that was sort of, when I said anti-evolution, I meant for your own personal spreading of your genes. So if, if a human body is really just a mechanism for spreading DNA and the DNA is actually in charge. Do you have to spread it into a specific spot or just anywhere? (laughs) (laughs) I didn't have my first kid until I was 41. So I tried a lot of spots. <laughs> um, so the, if, if you, the, I mean, it kind of gets, I guess it's like, what's the purpose of life in the first place? Okay. Now, if it now is we're, to, yeah. Right? right. So like, so then it spreads the, if, if you can't spread your genes, then your genes are not going to be happy about that. That's what I meant. The suicide thing too. It's, it goes against the desire or the, um, the evolutionary desire of your genes to propagate. So you're almost at a cellular level. You are in conflict with yourself or at least your body. But then, but then you like add to what you're saying, like keep going with what you're saying, but fold into it, the, the animal kingdom and mm -hmm. the regular murder in, in the animal kingdom. And the fact that we're like, we are, you know, a step away, you know, we, we have, this awareness, this fear and dread of our own, our own death that animals yeah, we can imagine m- the future. assumedly don't have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think that's, I think that's fairly proven uh, to the extent that you can prove such a thing that, that like, like, you know, every time you come home, it, even if you just left and you came back in, your dog is like, they haven't seen you in a hundred years. You know, they're like very excited or whatever. They're not, they don't I think it's pretty clear that, that, animals don't imagine the future they're just right in the now they're like like that's it's almost like the the zen ideal is to be like in the moment the way that i imagine animals must be maybe there's some exceptions i don't know dolphins or something but (laughs) yeah um, they they often they have four retirement yeah exactly (laughs) so So, bring bring us back to t2 for a second so i think where where you had a your quick reaction to this idea that she, all right, what's stopping her from just killing this guy? Like it's stupid. Mm-hmm. Like kill mm-hmm. him. Um, say e- even in a scenario where she has 
she has straight up future knowledge. She knows the thing that she doesn't know is if it'll still happen. Right. And, and we don't even have that. We don't even have the line that connects anything to, to Mm -hmm. the future. So, and this plays out all the time when we try and like set the world up for our kids to succeed. And we think, you know, we have some kind of control over future actions. Like, and like we've talked about before, like I'm going to do this bad thing in service of this future greater good. But mm. what assurance is there at all that what you're doing is is going to achieve that greater good? And meanwhile, what indeed are you sacrificing by shooting that chip maker in the head? You know? Mm. Yeah, there's I have a few things going on there. One is like it's total hubris to to make predictions about complex systems. I mean, it's just comical. And I'm totally guilty of it. You know, I, I used to do it all the time for my job. And I was always off by like five years if I was even, you know, whatever, you know, predicting like what was going to happen with smartphones or something or like, like paying with your phone. So it is at the same time, there are phenomena that, that are like pretty easy to predict. Like, things you would call like laws of physics. Like if I push my glasses over the edge of this table, it's safe bet. It's going to end up on the floor, right? Like there's certain things that where it's very clear cause and effect, but the more, it seems to me, the more complex the system gets, the less predictive, um, accuracy there's going to be, you know, like I wish I could find this. I've been looking for it and I can't find it, but there was, I think a, a Nobel prize winner in economics, talking about how you can't predict the outcome of the world cup with science because there's no way to do a repeatable experiment because there are too many variables. So you just can't science everything. And so things like, well, that just to interject briefly, like that was the whole, like what I gathered from Solaris and, and from many other pieces of like literature and nonfiction over all these, like, it's so interesting to me, like, the swing of the pendulum, especially for people on the left, and we'll just take the vaccine, um, the COVID, not vaccine, but the COVID, and like this idea of, you know, science, 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 like I believe in science, like science is intended to do a thing. It doesn't, and it's a very blunt instrument right now. Mm-hmm. Like there's... I, I I always picture like this really complex roiling like bub like boiling water almost and then like these like laser a, like a laser grid put over the water mm-hmm. and like science will then pull data out of the laser grid and make assessments about the entire pot of water but like th- the lasers first of all may not even be able to detect what's happening at the quantum level in that pot. Yeah, you just described like Newtonian physics, where he that that whole concept of Newtonian physics was specifically w- without knowing it, it was specifically correct in an incredibly narrow band of reality, which is bodies that are around the size that we are that are moving roughly at the speed that we are. That's it. Like as soon as you get super small or super big, the, the rules of physics are different. It I've just, been wondering why like, I'm feeling physics behave on me. It's acting on me differently now. <laughs> more of a gravitational pull. <laughs> exactly. I'm starting. Uh, uh, more people are gathering around me as I move into the XXL size. <laughs> anyway, it's yeah. It's attractive um, in a way. So, like, the... <sighs> well, like, the other thing that, that you reminded me of with the grid in the boiling yeah. water, where you've, it's analog and digital music, where the earliest iterations of digital music sounded like crap because they left out tons. They just left a lot of data out in order to fit onto a CD. So it, it's kind of like that. It's, but, at, but still, yeah, I was just, I was just searching for printers and the laser laser printers will, or at least the older ones, they, the way that they create the blend of color when they do color is to split the, the pixel with two so the color is not right in that spot it's just two very tiny pieces of of color that are near each other that you'll misinterpret as purple when they're red and blue next to each other or whatever yeah right 
So you're kind of not seeing the reality, but it produces the effect that you wanted. Yeah. Yeah. So you can, you can trick yourself for so better I feel, or worse. I feel like that's, it's frustrating. Like science is hugely valuable and has done so much and, and should be lauded and put up on a pedestal and appreciated, but it doesn't, it's not, it, it's not capable of answering all the questions that we have or doing all the things we have or mitigating all the risk that we want it to, to mitigate. Hmm. And to your point, like complex systems like weather or human behavior or where the bubble in the boiling pot of water is going to travel on its way from the bottom of the pot to the surface, mm-hmm. it's beyond our ken at this point. And mm-hmm. the hubris, like you said, of like imagining like, okay, I mean, it's, it plays out in so many different ways. Like whether like you're trying to be, you know, like in that, like, in like the 19, like a stereotype of the 1920s, like, I'm not going to tell you I'm feeling cause that's like inappropriate. Right. So I, I lie to, to kind of control your response to me. Um, you know what I mean? Like, and, yeah. like all these little things that happen in life, all the little lies that we tell because we think that it's going to have an intended response. We don't really know. Like we're making a, a utilitarian decision we're making utilitarian decisions constantly mm. assuming what the effect is going to be. It'd be exhausting to be a Kantian deontologist because you'd be nobody, you would have no sense of humor for, <laughs> I think number one. And like, you'd like, you'd be constantly doing the right thing all the time. It'd be really tedious. But how do you even know what that is without the context of a culture around you? Like what, what is that? Even, like we still haven't solved And I don't think we will find that, that that bedrock of rightness i think the whole concept is a construct of the human mind like you don't you don't it doesn't seem like you know a bear kills a deer and like and like feels bad about it later it's just the law of the jungle or whatever it's like that's how it works sorry yeah. deer you know so, well and and so killing isn't always bad in our culture right we we've we've normalized killing in many different situations oh hell and yeah Pardon? Yeah, hell yeah. I mean, like, yeah. like you said with soldiers, like I guarantee you there are soldiers out there who feel bad about it, but they did it anyway. Or in some that maybe don't. Or don't, right. They're just like, wrong place at the wrong time, better you than me. I, I, I don't, And I don't even have an opinion over which one of those is the reaction you should have. I mean, I can't But what's even funny imagine. is like that movie, T2, is put together in that moment. Like the point of that moment is to illustrate a moral conundrum that she, or moral conundrum is probably not the right word, but yeah, just dilemma, a moral challenge, dilemma. a dilemma yeah. that she's facing, right? Where, um, she has the gun pointed at his head. She's ready to go. She actually tried to kill him with a, a sniper rifle and failed, and then is in the house and gets the gun right in it, at his head, mm-hmm. um, and can't pull the trigger. So, to your point, like, as, as an audience, there can be no, maybe we, this would be something we won't debate about, but for the entire audience, who saw that movie she's struggling with making uh, being making the right choice yeah. and her son is embodying that right choice by running around telling arnold oh you have to do what i say oh this is pretty cool to have a terminator you can't kill anybody um like because that and he can't explain why he's just like don't do it like so the child says it for us like i can't tell you right. why it's wrong but right it's just it's wrong just don't wrong. do it yeah so Maybe Which is easy if, to agree with, but it doesn't but you, hold up to you could scrutiny. Have ins- right. But you could have inserted probably a thousand immoral actions that are more subject to cultural change over time, you know, but like Wait, know, treating, well, like we're going to treat these, uh, like murder is, seems to be standing the test of time in terms of something that people perceive to be wrong mm. across cultures and, and, that's but maybe it's okay to, you know, to tell people that you like the pie that they made, even though it's got fucking rhubarb in it for some reason. Who makes meat pie? Like mince meat pie? Like what? What? Why is that a pie? So this like could mince be a little meat awkward, pie. but like some people make meat pies and they put cloves in it as well. <sighs> cloves. Anyway, can we just that's obviously wrong. Can we at least agree? both wrong from a utilitarian point of view and a deontological <laughs> the terminator would kill you obviously. so i have to i have to share maggie um 
What did she say? She made up a joke. I think she made it up. Uh, oh, uh, you like pie? What does pie taste like? Math. <laughs> tastes like math. That brings me right back to an episode of Riptide that I think we were watching together. Riptide? The guy kept like- me, would you like a piece of pie? And then he'd be like, 1.27654. Oh my god. Well, I'm off the rails. Yeah. So anyway, like to your point, like you can be a deontologist all day long, but what culture are you serving? What oppressive culture are you serving? You can be a utilitarian all day long, and you could you can imagine that what you're doing is you know, going to have the dominoes are going to fall in a certain way, but you have no right to think that. So they become really in with your challenge, they become really useless frameworks. Yeah. Like I just, I'd be curious to know, I'm sure this, this question is so obvious. It must've been, at least they must think they have an answer to the, to the, well, how do you know what's right in the moment? You know, they might, there probably is a, there's probably like a 10 commandments kind of thing, which, which is kind of like, the if if so let's just assume i'm always right that if that's true Hang that on, they have some kind of like notes to see if that's true list of things yes checks notes uh incorrect um but if the if the deontologists were like well here's the list of things that's always wrong well, that would say be it's always right so but if you did have a list of things that is always wrong and they believe that it's universal i would right. my argument to that is like well it's universal to your in group and well and to the right and show, let's see that list yeah like it's so easy to say like oh well lying you know it's like freaking 10 commandments it's like yeah i actually don't know what they are but the golden rules in there somewhere i think they, which is like do unto others pretty sure you're not supposed to kill people i'm pretty sure you're not supposed to eat meat on friday or something yeah meat is it's definitely wrong i mean have you ever seen the inside of a purdue chicken factory it's they they knew what they were talking about when they came up with the don't don't eat chickens in the ten commandments i think it's the Uh, fourth one hmm. well let's just see right to bear arms is on there (laughs) no that's right to arm bears this is right to rip the arms off of your child if you're sacrificing it. The um, I think that Kant probably has a list of yeah. So here he has a formula of the universal law of nature. So I'll I'll take a look at that. Okay. There are that's what we were looking for. Exactly. So I don't know why this isn't more popular. <laughs> <laughs> this this page doesn't seem to get a lot of web web hits. Um, there's a humanity formula. There's an autonomy formula. This is going to be pretty. I can't wait to look into this a little bit. Was um, the guy? Was he a mathematician? He was a philosopher. Okay. Yeah, Immanuel Kant, right? Can't. Yeah, but he and he won't be alone though. Like we'll have. Um, I was listening to C.S. Lewis's *Mere Christianity*, mm-hmm. and he lays out all the right things to do. And I nice don't to, know. Nice to know. Well, right, right. Um, and I love what you said, though, like, well, who's who's on the end group, right? And who, who gets to be excluded uh, on that one? But who, who got to vote on this list? Right. That is now going to get applied to what? And in how applied to the rest of the people through government intervention? Like you will go to jail if you don't follow this list or ostracized from a say religious for, group? For, for practical purposes for a second, like say... It's not absolutely right or wrong. It's not an object. Nobody's let's let's not claim to an objective right or wrong. Yeah, I th- let's, I claim, let's claim. Let's yeah, claim to, um, <laughs> like, like sorry, Plato, but there's no ideal here. But like, if there's, if you have, <sighs> stupid fucking democracy is such a drag. But if you <laughs> had a democracy that was functioning, and and a set of, so I don't believe that. L- all right, laws aren't an effective way to, you know, set out a moral code. But like, say we have a bunch of things that are prohibited that are taboo, or they're you know they are from the culture. But you mean legally prohibited, or I don't know. Well, I was going in that direction, but then it's too fraught. Mm-hmm. So let's just say, for the moment, that we have a bunch of things that everybody agrees are are really bad to do, mm-hmm. generally speaking. Right. We could we could make a list of those things. Yeah. Like remember after nine eleven, 
when mm-hmm. all of a sudden it was just fine to torture people. Yeah. You know, that was a huge flip, nice flip flop. Yep. You know, America, like, let's, yeah, torture them. Yeah. You know, and, and then that episode of 24 came out with, <laughs> with Kiefer Sutherland. And I think we had a conversation about it at the time when he, he was like, I think what we said was like, all right, we'll have, have that law in the books that torture's wrong. But if you think it's so right, be willing to pay the price for it. Do the torture, get the, get the, get the proof that you need, but then go to jail for it. Right. Yeah. Pay the price. Right. 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 It's a trade. It becomes a trade. So like, but there should be a price for it because the risk is that the person executing on the torture or executing on the bad behavior doesn't see how the dominoes are going to fall correctly. And it won't be, won't have been worth it. It will have been for some, you know, misguided goal or object of the individual that's executing the bad behavior. But like, it has to go to some kind of a tribunal after the fact to see if the benefits were real. Uh, I mean, you could imagine a scenario where, where the person pulling the trigger was just completely used as a pawn, a pawn to, and just fed bad information. Yeah. And, and at the end of the day, or even if it's Linda Hamilton, right. And she's like, she's cause that's beyond torture, right. She's going to kill him. That's even worse. Yeah. Plot twist. She is insane. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. And then she just kills this guy. (laughs) Oh, now next phone call, we need to talk about insane because I'd be, I don't want to, I don't want to like foreshadow it too much, but it's like, if you do something like, you know, just to bring it into the context of this conversation, if you do something that the supermajority all agrees is taboo, horrible, evil, you're going to burn in hell or you're going to do whatever you're going to do, you're going to come back as a turkey, whatever the, whatever the punishment might be, everyone basically agrees that it's that it's a heinous thing to do. Yes. Doesn't that by def- doesn't that by definition mean you're insane? Or does it mean that, or can you, can you, you, if you do the thing, if you do the thing, doesn't it by, does it by definition mean that you're insane? Like, cause I was watching, so speaking of movies at the end of unbreakable, which I watched the other day, it's not bad. It holds up. Okay. But it's not great. But at the end, there's like a, 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 a ending card that says, you know, Mr. Glass was sent to, uh, I think a hospital for the criminally insane or a prison for the criminally insane. And like, what's the difference? Like, how is he insane? Well, he's he's a criminal. I, I always look at at I, I so quick, totally thoughtless, quick reaction. Mm. I think there's two buckets here. Mm. One is these people refuse to uh, have the veil of our culture. Like they they refuse to like we're all like. They, they see through the, the arbitrariness of yeah. cultural reality mm-hmm. or of cultural, the cultural fabric within which, you know, we're working or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, they see we're how immersed arbitrary in, in this. Yeah. We're, we're immersed in this arbitrary like framework. And mm-hmm. I think some people see through that and they're like, I'm not down with this. This is total, total yeah. bullshit. Yeah. For whatever reason. Then I think there's a question about, uh, of insanity, which is, well, I'm going to give three buckets. The second one I would give is your uh, the physical apparatus of an individual that takes in data is different. Yeah, like they're hallucinating. They're seeing stuff that's not there. Yeah. So yeah, the, their inputs or their processing is is just different, and so mm-hmm. insane becomes a, a, a shorthand for you're so. You're too different. You can't participate. You can't participate. You, you can't play four square square with us because you don't even see the squares, <laughs> right? <laughs> okay, it's not that you're to put it. you're not necessarily bad or evil, but you're never going to make it in this culture. Yes, you're, you're never going to make it. You and can that, see that seems like a pretty that doesn't. I don't feel like I run into um, that's pretty uncommon. I think. Yeah, I think it's schizophrenia. Yeah, stuff like that. You know, I think it's it's probably depression to a certain degree. Mm. Where yeah, that's true. Where your whole reality becomes tainted. I I I I don't know. I don't know. But I think, like, when your processing unit is so different from other people, in- insanity hinges on your ability to socialize, right? Um, yeah, it's kind of true. I think so. 
So that seems to like I may have been insane in junior high school. (laughs) Well, so the the thing that I I had a friend, I had a friend. I want to be clear. Oh, please. Yeah. I was the one that had no friends, like just one or two. But anyway, so so the the insane thing, I think, does tie into our conversation, because if you think of someone who's like um, in an in-group like hardcore conspiracy theory people, they're and then they take action that is illegal or immoral by some other group's standards. The group that they're in, you might be like, no, that's a hero. Yeah. Like, because they, they paid the price, they got caught or they, they got killed or... 100%. Yeah. So, so the the issue, I just think that... But if you saw, like, you know, if you saw, like, oysters shooting insane, out of fire hydrants and, like, you go around <laughs> yeah, smashing right. fire hydrants, like, yeah. who's on your side? Right. You're so, alone. Right. So that that's why I guess I was getting... It's like, it's a rational decision that was made based on a different context. Now, but there is a, there's a, a little thing here, though, like... What I don't know if this is even worth pursuing, but of the things that we've talked about, like, is there a universe where, like, if there's an objective reality outside of us mm-hmm. that our meager senses see a portion of, right? And somebody has a processing system and a sensory intake system that is causing them to see things that do not exist in the, the objective reality, then that would be different. That's not even an issue of socialization. Like you're just not even seeing shit that's quote unquote real at that point. Right. Like, yeah. It's funny. Cause I thought you were going to do that the other way. I thought you were going to say that they, it wasn't that they didn't see the things in the objective reality. Cause when you said objective reality, I thought you meant including all of the stuff that humans can't sense. So I did, I did oh, mean okay. that. So if so, they but, could see that stuff, they would seem insane. Well, so if if it was such that, you know, all humans can't see the oysters shooting out of the fire hydrant, but this guy can, that's one scenario. But I'm talking about another one where there's legitimately no oysters shooting out of the fire hydrant and that person's seeing it. Right. And, thinks H- it's, and can't say to themselves that, it, like, this is a, a hallucination, a hallucination, hallucination that's not real. Now, what's the benefit of that, right? Like, if you're... If you're having a hallucination, if, you, if we're all having a shared hallucination, mm-hmm. that's great. No problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's a whole group of people who that's argue strongly that we're movie, in a right? simulation. Yeah. No, but there are people, rational people who argue that we must be in a simulation. Yeah. So, and, and I can, I I just don't, I could see the argument. It just, it, it's not interesting for me to entertain it because it doesn't change a damn thing about my life. Well, that's the thing is like, what's, what are we and this is kind of interesting for you and I to say, well, where does this cash out? Cause we're sitting here talking like this for 45 minutes, but like, um, look, it's fun. Like I like, I like, I don't care if it's useless. Like I really, no, the simulation it, for, literally thing, I think for like is two days after, after a call like this, I'll just mm. be happy. So like, mm. I don't care if it actually cashes out. So like, but I just mean the simulation part, not, not the deciding whether or not to kill somebody in a moment is like really practical. I think that's very practical. Right. Right. But the simulation or not thing is just like. Right. So we were going down a path of like, how can somebody be insane? And I I guess it's, Mm. it's not relevant to talk about. The bottom line is like, it really is a social question. Yeah. If you're insane. That's pretty interesting. I have to think about that. But the, but to take it back to, to take it back to, I think the, the most interesting sort of, no, it's not a paradox. It's just like this question at the center of it that you brought up was was like the difference is like is is it possible that there is something that is fundamentally universally wrong, or like an action that you shouldn't take? Like, is there an I, action that I don't you see shouldn't it. take? I don't right? see evidence of it. I see, I just I see always context matters. Yeah, always. It seems like always, but maybe maybe we're like Newton in you know, a slow, medium-sized fishbowl that we can't yeah. see outside of. Right. And there We're, are like these like four-dimensional ghost beings that are just like, oh, can you believe these wing nuts yeah. killing each other? You know? So, of course, they, the, the, they... But what's weird about that is like... So, Norm MacDonald tweeted to Neil, Neil deGrasse Tyson <laughs> that um, Neil didn't get it. That, you know, we're we're a 
we're not like observing the universe that we're a fraction of the universe. And so like what of the universe is, is gone or harmed when we kill somebody or when we steal, when we, when we move resources from one spot to another, you know, it's like, it's, it seems like deck chairs on the Titanic, you know, like <laughs> it's conserved, like, right. In the big picture, who the cares? material is conserved. The material right. is repurposed. The material shifts and transforms. Like, what does it care? You know, but if there's, what, if, what if we, we come to find out that, so I'm just thinking, I was just thinking like, if I, if I were to take an action that would be taboo, that it would generally be a transgression against another, right? Like I can, or, or I guess it's taboo for me to kill myself or. But generally, yeah, are. generally it'd be like a violation of private property or personal. Right. Space. Yeah. But like in the big picture, like how could that possibly matter? <laughs> right. That's a good, right. That's, a, that's kind of the point. Like how maybe, could it possibly matter? Right. But that's so, so fatalistic, right? Like, it's like, well, we're well, all going to be dead anyway, so we might well, as well. Yeah, and and many people could rightly be horrified. Like, how do you take that idea to scale when you want to organize a society and have people? Well, should you want to organize a society in the first place? Like, if assuming that you're someone who does, then of course you're going to think that. I I can I almost can't even complete the thought because I no agree complete with it. the thought. This this plays into yet another recent. It gets Thing back to the it, it get back it gets back to the the hubris of thinking that you can you know flap your arms over here and create a, a hurricane halfway across the world. So it's like it's like to to but I'm but see I can't the reason I can't finish is because I like when people think big like that. And yes, it's comically perhaps absurd to imagine that you're going to 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 do something that would end up having a giant positive hopefully positive impact again subjective whether or not it's positive but so i like that kind of thinking but at the same time i have to admit that it's total hubris probably a lot of ego and and like like why why when not is just it ever when is it ever not a legacy project? Like when is right. it ever not your selfish legacy project? Like in the denial of death yeah. book, Ernest Becker, like all of it like is intended to create a sense of immortality and to uh, like deal with the horror of like, cause just otherwise just sit in your room. Right. And just like, what's the point of doing anything? So you yeah. have to create your own meaning so you can be a slave to other people's meaning you can be a maverick and create your own meeting. You can be an artist and really like be out there and be like, fuck it. I am creating my own meaning, but everybody's yeah. creating, everybody's like a slave to somebody else's construct of meaning. And all, all of these actions like can't be stacked up against an objective measuring stick. Like yeah. it's gotta be, but we have to gather. So you were saying before, like who would want to gather into a society? So we have to live in a society Again, I don't know if I'm just being practical or not, but I think that would be hard for us to avoid. I think there's great sorrow ahead for people that would isolate themselves for long periods of time. Like, I don't think that humans are built for that. Maybe that's wrong. I think no, there's there's certainly outliers, but I would agree. I would agree with you that it is. It's. I hear a lot of people talking about like, oh, I'll just you know, I'll just you know, whatever. Uh, I've got my gas, I've got my guns and you're not going to get my food. And I'm all, you know, like wicked preppers or whatever that are all. Yeah. Or the aesthetics of back in the day, like the, like I'm going to go off in this mountain and just, you know, or that dude, that, that amazing movie that was made of that guy that just went to Alaska and built his house and then lived in, I think died there. Hmm. Um, Right. Like it's not that you can't do it. It, It's, I think it's a very specific kind of individual who would, would, see the trade-off as a good one like I just, why do you why do you want to be that isolated this may be an easier one than is there an objective wrong action or an objective right action it might be interesting to pursue is it objectively against our nature to be alone and for the people that do it are they denying something 
core to themselves and achieving that solitude. But could you ever hope to bring it to scale? I think the answer is no. You could never hope to bring it to scale. I'd agree and with that. So yeah, then like there's everybody's this just unless they were unless it was like total matrix, like we were in pods and like our consciousness believed. Unless you had a distraction, we were, unless you were fully right. distracted. Yeah. I think and maybe that's part of what uh the game does for us is distract us from the end. But this woman, Mickey Cashtan, was on a podcast and she totally blew my mind around private property and um accumulation of property and how that's a hedge against uh, a sense of, fe- of fear and risk and that oh, yeah. it's a response from thousands of years ago, um, a, tr- a response to trauma of not having what's needed when when it's needed. Sure, of course, yeah. Which is kind of crazy to think about because she's kind of saying there were two big things that I got from this woman and it was... I. She was talking on this podcast, and at one point she was like, yeah, I can't talk about this any further. Because I, I think she would be afraid to talk about it. Because she's really expounding on things that are completely antithetical to the culture that we're fully immersed in. It would feel taboo to to eliminate private property. You know, it's like it was oh, 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 that kind I of see. stuff. No, no, no. I, okay, I was missing. But she was – but to what your point, point? just to bring point? it around, was like she was saying that she's – She's trying to um, – she, she thinks we evolved to be in smaller groups than we're in right now. Mm-hmm. And so she's trying to get a smaller group together because she's uh. saying that, like, you can't be alone because it's, it's too hard to be – it's too hard to be alone. Like, you want to have people that know how to make a shoe yeah, specialization uh, is the root is, is the source of all wealth. That's, like, why we don't live in trees. So And maybe the sort – maybe – one of the things that that supports the need to be in a community. Um, oh, yeah, hundred percent. I totally agree with that. I don't see where the private property thing is going. Well, like, like what? I mean, that might be a topic for another day. But like, yeah. just because it was, it was a big deal for me to hear it. Not that she convinced me, but she said it in a way that was like, I've not heard this argument articulated in this way before, and this is very powerful and speaks to a paradigm shift, like a fork in the road that was traveled thousands of years ago mm-hmm. that we're potentially suffering under right now. Uh, that's been accelerated by technology and accelerated by capitalism, but is not a result of either of those things. Hmm. Um, that, so let, let's, let's, I you didn't, you didn't actually say what her point was. No, I, I suppose I didn't, but she, but she's against private property. She was trying to say that at least what I was gathering from it was uh, oddly in line with something you and I talked about. It was recognize the human dignity of the person before you. And mm-hmm. if you have what that person needs, give it to them. Mm, right. Uh, yeah. And there's, yeah, is that right. Which brings it back to the like rightness and wrongness. You know, you know, don't like, don't start to imagine the what right they're going to do wrong with what you give them and don't yeah. give it like like they owe you something and don't or like, oh, I'm not going to give the homeless guy a dollar because he's just going to spend it on drugs or something. It's like, yeah, it's kind like, of this concept right like to do like the planet is this and it's it's a pie of some size and 3.14. Then there's a bunch of <laughs> then there's a bunch of people on it. That are like if you dropped a billion people on the planet all at once, and mm-hmm. you say go, then people start scrambling right and, and gobbling up and accumulating. No, they don't necessarily start gobbling up the resources and accumulating them intuitively. I don't know that they do that right away, right? They they like, may you not mean like hoarding, right? Yeah, okay. Like they may they may have a different approach to leveraging the resources that are before them on on this new. Mm planet and oh, it gives us another another thing to talk about down the road which is and she was like we don't she's like we don't need to deal with extreme poverty our problem is extreme wealth because it's <laughs> and and take away the idea of it being money but like the accumulation of access to physical resources and and the way the physical resources are uh, inaccessible and when it's really not a problem 
like the physical resources aren't the problem. It's access to them and who gets to have them and what you have to do to get them. And the stories, the fairy tales that we tell each other about um, independence and rugged individualism (laughs) and uh, you know, I did this on my own. Like, did you see knives out talking about? Yes. Yes. And and like Jamie Lee Curtis's character. Oh, I, I did this myself. You know, like that kind of stuff, you know? <laughs> yeah, that was actually, that's where I was going earlier with the, the sort of prepper. Like, uh, I, I built this all myself. It's like, yeah, I, I, how'd you get that pickup truck here? You made the pickup truck? Did you drive it on a road? You know, like, yeah. did you put gasoline in it that you made yourself? You know, the whole thing, the, 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 the illusion that there's any kind of independence it, it, or, 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 or that that you're not interdependent on a massive lattice of, you know, hundreds and thousands of years old of, of wealth creation through specialization is just comical. Like there's a great, there's a great Ted talk. What did, what, sorry, keep going, keep going. There's a great, there's a great Ted talk where it has one point in it where the guy says, there's no one on earth, no, no one on earth that knows how to make a computer mouse, a $5 computer mouse. There's no one person on earth that could make a computer mouse. It, like you need to, you need to start with petroleum and chips and making plastics and you couldn't do it. And then this guy, I think was saw this or was inspired by it. And he decided he was going to make his own toaster and he, he dug up or out of the ground and he like smelted it to melt it down and everything. And, it, and he ended up making a, a, total fire trap of a toaster but it was it was horrible and it cost him tons of money this is the joke that we i don't know the joke but like was it a connecticut yankee in king arthur's court like if you were transported back in time like what knowledge would you bring that would allow you to just like win the day and just be like (laughs) the the elon musk of the day like (laughs) the the answer is none None. (laughs) like there's i think there's probably nothing Probably nothing. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe. There, it, you could. Do they trans- have wedges? I could show them a wedge. <laughs> they have wedges at that point. You could send someone back to a point where the kiln didn't exist. So I, I read a book where the kiln was one of the most pivotal inventions ever in the advancement of society because it would allow you to produce temperatures high enough to make really, really hard metals. And without a kiln, you just had like a campfire. Dude, and I got to show just... you something. Hang on one second. All right. Did you, can you see this? Looks like a rock. It's an aluminum biscuit. The hell so George, George and I made a, uh, a smelter to, <laughs> To try and make stuff out of aluminum. Yeah. It's wicked hard. Yeah. And you need so many cans. But we but made we-, <laughs> we made aluminum. Is that a is that a, a supply that you bought or that's a thing that you, you got so, like rocks and you smelted? We built a smelter okay. with plaster of Paris and a tube and a hair dryer for the oxygen, you know. Yeah, yeah. And then we got a we I we cut a fire extinguisher into pieces and <laughs> made that into the crucible. Okay. And then basically took, took a, um, uh, pla- plaster, a plaster Paris lined bucket, filled it with charcoal, put yeah. the crucible in, cut a hole in the bucket, put a tube in the bucket to the charcoal mm-hmm. and then lit the charcoal and then had a, you know, a fan blasting on the charcoal that would be hot enough to melt, the aluminum cans mm. and then oh, those were cans yeah and then you could melt then it turns into liquid aluminum and then we poured it into a um cookie pan <laughs> we, nice. we wanted this started because we were in new york in the woods and found a rock that had red in it and right or wrong i told him it was red because there was iron in it yeah. and he was like iron iron ingots like we need to figure out how to get the iron in out of that thing yeah 
So I did my YouTube research and it was like, well, you need to get like over 2000 degrees. Right, and I was exactly. like, I'm never going to get there, but we could do, you know, aluminum if you want, you know? Yeah. But yeah. It's like, I don't know. It was fun, but it's, it's, you need people like you, there's, you can not have people and you can just eat what you pick off the trees and whatever. But like, yeah. so then, it, then if that is a necessity, I feel like you and I put down like the cultural norms that are manifest in laws or taboos, but maybe there's more merit to them. Like if you have to, if you're going to have a, a community and you, as a, it's kind of a miracle when you think about it, like <laughs> every individual has, has the ability to come up with their own moral code, their own sense of purpose and what's right and wrong and what, what life is all about. And then you have a community of people that get together and they've just, they've agreed for right or wrong on a set of things. Maybe that should be held in higher esteem than maybe what it feels like you and I are treating it with. I'm not really against it. I, it's, it goes back to our church thing. It's like when, when you have a global organization like that, that starts to lose influence, what replaces it? Yeah. And, and the, to the earlier point about, you know, people probably weren't meant to be in groups bigger than 150 or so. Yeah. Then, yeah. then you could say like, well, what if we, if we sort of atomize down, you know, what if we get to smaller groups again? And my, my actual reaction is, well, what if we just get bigger at being in a bigger group? Well, that's the thing. I, I take it back because it's like, where's the evidence that societies have come up with moral codes that survive the test of time? Because like, you just look at, you know, treating other, other groups as uh, subhuman, which is the path to genocide. Mm. I've read somewhere recently and it, I don't know if it's true or not, but like not all dehumanization leads to genocide, but no genocide happens without dehumanization. Mm. And if you have like, all these groups like well groups came up with slavery and groups came up with you know child labor and groups came up with women aren't human and groups came up with all this so i don't know i don't yeah. know i guess you just keep put, like what are we pushing towards you know right. yeah that, yeah we should talk about leadership on a future call because that i think that's that's where see now this this is gonna this is the paradox because without vision and leadership which are abstract usually I think always it's this prediction of the way the world could be in the future. And like, Hey, everybody, let's make that a reality. And then you, you know, in absence well, of leadership, then everybody's just going to, there'd be no coherence, no cohesion. Well, what if you pushed to like how many of, so for all of the moral codes and societal taboos that were arbitrary, but at least agreed upon mm. in history, how many of them would fail the test of the golden rule right out of the gate? Like, mm assuming every human you're applying it to deserved the benefit of being having the golden rule applied to them. I wonder how many would fail instantly. Mm -hmm. Well, they would say that that person's not human. Like they'd say, yeah, yeah, exactly. But in like answering my own question, like what are we moving towards? Like that's very understandable to your point. Like if you wanted to have leadership, like you have to have a a clear goal to lay out there and Mm. just treating people the way you want to be treated is it sounds simple and sounds easy and has we haven't even been close to how have we been close to that mark is that equal opportunity for all people i don't know it's not equal out i mean to use like the buzzwords of today like it's not equal outcomes but it's is it equal opportunity but you'd have to really investigate (laughs) what equal opportunity means based on what we're talking (laughs) about before you know, like e- even if you like, it's real easy to talk about the roads and stuff. Cause I think that's like, you know, did you have a family fortune? Did you benefit from taxpayer funded roads? Did you get an education from other people? All this other yeah, stuff. Yeah. But that should be explored more fully because if you choke off even like the education that you received, like you need to make sure other things are being funded and successful so that someone like you could be cultivated. But then there's also what you came into the world with, genetically and are you supposed to get some fantastic reward because you're more you have more capacity for until you didn't do anything this is who you are right right yeah right so that man so you're creating so oh well you can cash those gifts that you have you can cash out 
Do you ever read but, Harrison Bergeron? But you don't know what they're doing. Is that the uh, Flowers for Algernon? No, book? no. Uh, it's a, I think it's a short story by um, Kurt Vonnegut. And I looked for it in the last year or two, and I've, it was very difficult to find. I don't think I actually found it. Maybe it's not Kurt Vonnegut. Maybe that's the problem. But if you look for Harrison Bergeron, he's like, he's kind of like a god. He's, you know, like a kid, but just really, really physically um, gifted and is like a wicked jock and like really good at everything and smart and, you know, all this stuff. Um, but he's, he's born into this society where it's all about equality of outcome. And I can't believe that people don't talk about this book more with the conversation that's going on online these days it's about. a short story by vonnegut by the way okay so so my brain's not completely toasted yet but yeah and it's it's exactly it's a great illustration of this i, I think if i remember it correctly i read it in high school it's a it's the exact story that i don't know why everyone isn't pointing to say like well yeah i mean we could end up with harrison bergeron which i don't think anyone would want if you read the story it's insanely short as well i'm gonna read it okay not right now. Yeah. I'm going to read it aloud to you now. Well, thank you. Be a bedtime story. Now I've got to go drink my uh, second 32 ounces of Miralax. Dude. So that I, so that I short the bed, which reminds me, how, how many times did you and George use the he who smelt the Delta joke when you were doing the iron, uh, aluminum ingot? Oh, a lot. It came up a lot then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I hope you've been doing your your uh, anal kegels because yes. that could be challenging. Otherwise, that could be a mess. There's yeah. got to be some equivalent to that, but for the butt. <laughs> yeah, this is a very made... short story, dude. Very, very short. All right, we'll have at it. All right, dude. Take it easy. Good luck cool. with your uh, spelunking. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. I'll see you. Bye. Bye.